This is Pastor Troy Bond once again with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies here with a, a fresh, familiar, and since we friendly. did that, friendly face, God. Pastor Alex Hill, who has not been able to be with us for a little while because of his scheduling, but it's good to have him back with us today at the, the, our table of teaching. If you are tuning in with us for the very first time, this is the Raven Institute, which is a ministry provided through Raven Ministries International. If uh, you've not been with us before, I encourage you to go to our website, which is www.biggrace.com. You can see that scrolling on the bottom of the screen if you're watching this live, uh, and go check out the ministry. We do an expository teaching every Monday through Friday from 9 o'clock until 10 o'clock. I say every time. Sometimes I'm traveling and we're not, but that's always uh, uh, noted on our website that you can see when those times that I'm not going to be here. Uh, I'm here more than I'm not here, so most of the time I am. But if you're saying that I've missed out, we're going to be on uh, Romans chapter 6, uh, beginning in verse 11, this, excuse me, verse 12 this morning. And if you think, think you've missed out, you really haven't. We've done 74 previous teachings on the book of Romans through the 6th chapter. And you can go and download those for absolutely free in MP3, MP3, MP3 <laughs> format. And they are free, by the and way. And they are free, MP3 format, on your computers by going to biggrace.com and clicking on Raven Institute. We make those available to you uh, for free download. We, Pastor, we have several pastors... Uh, uh, in foreign countries that are going to cyber cafes, burning those to a disc and actually using those to teach indigenous uh, peoples in their in their country. Two in Africa, one in Pakistan, one in India that I'm familiar with. And our classes are being downloaded uh, on average from six to ten thousand times That's amazing. per class. And so you're looking at seventy four classes times ten thousand. I mean that's a lot of people getting a lot of hours of teaching. And they're getting some good word. Good good word. Exciting. And, and, you know, we said this before, really, what we want people to be is the Acts 17.11 right. type of philosophy, that they're more noble than the, the, like Bereans, they're more noble than the Thessalonians. They receive the word, but they search the scriptures daily to see if it's so. And by no means do we think this is the end all, uh, no. there all, but we hope that this becomes a catalyst and uh, to create a desire in you to search out the word yourself. And to really get a hunger and thirst right. after be righteousness. That, be that spark to make people yeah. say, man, I want to dig into the Word of God. Absolutely. I, I want to know what, who this God I serve. You know, I, I remember one time we were uh, back in Amarillo, Texas, and when you had the church day spring back mm-hmm. there, I remember I was uh, teaching in a thing called, we started a thing called Chosen Generation. And I remember we was teaching, and I was teaching quite often or preaching, and it came realization to me that I said, you know what, I'm, I'm saying a lot of stuff that I've heard people say, but I don't know it myself. Right. And there was something in me that caused a spark to dig into the Word of God because I wanted to say what I'm teaching or what I'm preaching is something I know personally. And that's really what, what I'm excited about this class because that's what it does. It causes yeah, you to say, absolutely. I want to know the Word of God. Yeah, you absolutely <laughs> hey, That's right. Good word. <laughs> the Word of God to say, man, I want to know what this, what, what this Word is saying, what it says to me, and how I can convey this to other people. So, yeah, we've talked about it here on this program. It's not, you know, a lot of people know what it says. But they don't know why it says right, what it says, right. and that's really, I think, a key in, in studying the Word of God. And once you kind of get a handle on the the, the perspective, and we talked a lot about perspective over the last few weeks in different uh, venues. But once you get the perspective of the Word of God, it really opens up a new venue for you in relationship to studying the Word of God. And that's what we hope to be able to do here. And like I said, if you've not tuned in this before, you can go and download those uh, those classes and get those. A few we recommend. What are they, Deb? Twenty-eight to thirty-eight is a good place to start. Twenty-three, the fear of the Lord. So there's a few that people have as favorites over the top, but some of those, if you if you're looking listening for the first time, you kind of want to get an idea. Some of those classes to grab hold of. Then you, what I think what it'll do is send you back to the very beginning, class one, when we started this back in May to uh, to, to really participate in all this. So. Get started, Pastor Hill. Why don't you open us in prayer, brother, and we'll dive into the Word of God. Amen. Father, let us thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for the privilege and the honor to be here, God. Father, we just thank you that we are able to even get into the Word of God. I know that there's places across this world, Lord God, that is outlawed for them to even have the Word of God. But what a privilege and an honor it is to know you this morning. God, I pray that you would open our minds. God, I pray that we would get that spark this morning, that, that something in us would call our, cause our inner man to desire to know the things of God. Father, we are living in a perilous times. We are living in the last days when the Word of God has got to be above everything else, above opinion, above popular uh, beliefs, God, above evolution, above uh, uh, wisdom of men, Lord God. We need the Word of God. It will cut through those things. There is nothing greater than the Word. It is a double-edged sword. 
that will cut through those things. So God, I pray this morning that we would have the fire of the Word of God burning in our hearts this morning, that our minds would be renewed by, by the washing of it. Let it be a lamp unto our feet. I pray, God, that this morning that the people that get, get this service, Lord God, or hear this Word, even in different countries, it would be the thing that would turn nations around. Because it's not because of us, because it is Your Word, God. It was came from Your mouth. It is the living Word of God. It is the God breathed that will cause men to stand yes. up and fight, Lord God. Cause men to, even the Bible says that the disciples were cut in half and beaten and stoned, God, because of their belief in you, God. I thank you, Jesus, that this word that was given to them over 2,000 years ago, we have right here this morning, God, that it will cause us to be men and women of God that will change the world and turn the world upside down. Now, God, give us wisdom. Give us understanding, God. God, oh, we pray for revelation and the anointing to break the yokes this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Good stuff. Uh, Romans chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 1 through 11 to kind of contextualize what we're talking about. We, we touched on these verses I'm dealing with this morning just briefly yesterday. But uh, we're going to get into really some great detail on those things. Particularly one that I think is going to be uh, really a catalyst for a lot as we continue in, verse, in chapter 6 and in, verses, in chapter 7 and 8. But it says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, or my translation of those first two words in verse 2 are, You've got to be kidding. <laughs> How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Do you not know that as many of us that were baptized unto Jesus Christ were baptized unto his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. For in, him, in, in, for in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in he that lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, reckon also yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, so, Pastor, this morning what I want to do is just really kind of touch on, on verse 4, and we'll move on to verses 13 and 14 probably. Okay. But verse 12 is, is really key. And, I, and, I, and I, as I was thinking this morning and praying and getting ready for I think we really need to look at something in this I think that people miss. But I want to read verse 12, and it says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in the lust thereof. And so the thing that I want to uh, look at and consider is this phrase, Do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. Folks, listen, the reason that this is important is observed because of the connotation, really, that it presents in relationship to our discussions on the overcoming life. You know, every single one of us, want to walk and declare that we are overcomers, that we, we say we've been made more than uh, conquerors. We say that we're overcomers, and this is how we overcome, and to those that overcome, and all these things relating to overcomers. But to say it, then to, but to actually be able to walk in it is two different things. I know many people that, have, that find themselves overcome by sin, overcome by situations, mm -hmm. overcome by anxiety, overcome by fear, overcome by worry, overcome by doubt and unbelief. But how is it that we can come to the place where we're finally overcoming those things that have tried to overcome us? Mm -hmm. Because when Adam fell, immediately he and Eve became overcame by the sin nature. And so as we've been studying sin and the sin nature, if we are overcome by the sin nature, then we will be overcome by the acts uh, or the deeds of sin. And so we've got to come to that place. Lord God, how can I, I, I get to a place in my relationship with you and in my walk with the Lord Jesus Christ that truly I am an overcomer? That there's things that are going to come. Right. You know, and, and really, I, love, and I love that word, overcomer. Yeah. It, it, it means that those things are going to come. Are trials going to come? Right, absolutely. Are tribulations going to come? Yes. Are there going to be times where you worry? Yes. Are there times when you don't have the provision you need? Yes. There are going to be times where there's going to be, you're going to be stressed. Mm -hmm. You're going to be stretched. Yes. You're going to be challenged. Yes. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Right. And so they're going to come. Those times are going to come. Those issues are going to come. But the question is, are we going to be able to get over those right. things? And so in order to things. get over those things, we've got to do what we talked about, and we've got to change our perspective. Because our circumstances really do not matter. Right. You know, we don't want to hear that, 
Because we, we want this, there's been such a gospel of circumstance that's been preached. Now, what about when our circumstances stay, stay the same? Those are the things that will come. Right. You know, they're going to come upon us. They're going to come after us. They're going to come to reveal themselves. But if we set our affections on the things above and not beneath, what have we already done? We've uh, positioned ourselves spiritually and thus mentally to see things in a different way. Right. And so when he's telling us, don't let sin reign in your mortal body, that we should obey the, the, the less thereof, it, it's telling us that there's something that we need to grab a hold of. Because what causes us to worry? It's not our newborn, our born again man. Right. It's that old nature right. that is always picking and prodding and trying to influence the flesh or the carnal aspect of, of who we were or those things that are moved, those things that are touched. The emotions. The emotions. The, right. That, the, those things that, that, are, that are, can be excited by, mm-hmm. by circumstances or by difficulty or, or stress or whatever it may be. And so that word when it says that, that sin should not uh, uh, reign in our mortal body, and you can write this down, that word mortal, and if you want an uh, English spelling, it would be kind of a difficult English spelling, it's, it's thanatos, and it's T-H-N-A-Y-T-O-S. T-H-N-A-Y-T-O-S. You can write that down. Look it up later yourself. But T-H-N-A-Y-T-O-S. And to, to reign in our mortal bodies is that which is able to die. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so we should not allow sin to reign in that which is able to die. And so, brother, you know, we've been created in the image of, 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 of Christ Jesus, in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, He is God the Father, God the Son, God the, the Holy Ghost. He is, he, is, he is a triune being. He's the Trinity. But also in us, as a reflection of that, we're created body, soul, mm-hmm. and spirit. So a type of that, that we are. And so of those things, only one of those represents mortality. Right. And it's the, the body. It's the body. Right. And so he says, don't let sin reign in your body. mortal bodies. Don't right. let it reign in that thing that's able to die. And so Matthew 10.28. Write this down, folks. Matthew 10.28. He said, don't fear them which can kill the body. body. Right. That, that mortal thing, that thing that, that lives and dies, this thing that one day, uh, should the Lord tarry and it dies, it'll, it'll return to the dust of the, uh, of the earth. But what happens to our soul and spirit? They, they return to God who gave it. Right. If we're believers, we'll, we'll be in the presence of the Lord. If not, we'll be, in, we'll be in, the, in, in outer darkness. And he said, so don't fear that which can kill the body, yet uh, is not able to kill the soul. Right. And so there's that that attacks the, the mortality of a man or attacks the flesh of a man. So, and there are two aspects of our makeup that are spiritual or not mortal, which is obviously the soul and the spirit uh, of a man. And so we talked a whole lot, folks, about the, the completely spiritual side of overcoming sin and being born again. But there is a physical part that is often overlooked as a result uh, uh, where we end up finding ourselves set up for defeat. And so what we think to ourselves is, listen, if I can just get so spiritual, if I can just keep everything so spiritually focused, then I'll overcome. Then what ends up happening? We find ourselves ensnared by a trap. Right, because something comes in into our life and we start looking at those things. Our perspective changes. Our, our perspective changes. Right. And what do we do? When, when, when Adam's perspective changed, what did he immediately focus upon? Himself. He said, I am naked. He said, I'm naked. Now, notice that Adam didn't deal, he didn't confess the spiritual side of things. Right. What did he do? He said, I am naked. He didn't say, I rebel. No. He didn't say, I'm sorry. No, he didn't say, I I sinned. Right. Why are you hiding? He didn't say, God, because I did what you told me not to do. He said, because my perspective changed and immediately I began to focus on the flesh. Right. Now, are you seeing that? Right, yeah. And so the first thing the adversary wants us to do is focus, focus and reign in our mortal man, to reign in, 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 in the areas of the flesh. And so he said, do not let sin or do not let the sin nature reign in your mortal body or do not let the sinly nature exercise kingly power over the desires and constant cravings of the flesh. What does that mean? It's, uh, let, me, let me say it again. Do not let the sin nature exercise kingly power over the desires and constant cravings of the flesh. I'm going to tell you what it means. Okay. So what he is telling us is that the sinful nature is there present with us and what it is, it's housed with, within what we call the flesh or the body. And so while it's the, the sinful nature uh, where sin originates... 
And so, you know, when Adam fell, what happened? Right. Man's sin came sin, in. Sin, sin and so when man is born, what is he born? He's conceived in sin, sin right? and there's Iniquity. that sin nature. It's yeah. always there. You don't have to teach a child to rebel, leave him to his own. He's gonna, it's going to manifest itself. You don't have to teach them to lie. They'll figure out a way to do it. You don't have to teach them anger. What is it? It's who we are. Right. And so while sin originates in that place, it is the body that contains the components or the sensors of the sin nature or, or, uh, the, or the components or the sensors that the sin nature seeks to manipulate and excite in order to see the fulfillment of the lust thereof. And so out here, right. here, all these things that we have, and so this sin nature is literally, it's this intangible, invisible entity that cannot be watched or observed in the sense of the natural man. And so it is the enemy whose tactics cannot be observed and therefore cannot be guarded against. I mean, you you know you have a sin nature, right? But when you look in the mirror, you don't see that sin right. nature, right? You know, you know you have a sin nature that sits there, but but that's not always there, compartmentalized, and it's always obvious. And so, what what happened is that thing hides, that thing lays in wait to deceive, mm -hmm. and what it works through is the natural man. So, while those things can't be guarded against, we know that the believer does have a means to keep that nature in check. But keeping that which is, uh, or, or keeping that which is housed under control. Now think about this: First Corinthians nine twenty-seven. First Corinthians nine twenty-seven. Great scripture in relationship to this. Right. Paul the apostle once again speaking. He said, "I keep my under, I, I, but I keep under my body, and I bring it under subjection." He said, "I keep my body under right. subjection, lest by any means, when I preach to others, I should myself be a castaway." Right. So Paul the Apostle was saying, listen, I know that there's spiritual side of things. I know that there's the, 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 the aspects of overcoming spiritually. But he's saying, listen, I'm going I'm to give you a key to overcoming spiritually. I'm going to keep my body mm -hmm. under subjection. I'm going to give you a word that the root of it's going to jump out at you. Even you, Pastor, because you were in on the early classes, we talked about this in, in chapter 1, verse 1. There's, there's this word for subjection. I keep my body under subjection. And it's the, the doula gogeo. We get the word doulos. doulos. Remember the word doulos? Mm -hmm. I was that bond, bond slave. Yeah. yeah, that bond servant or that slave to righteousness. He said, I've become a slave to righteousness. Right. I've become a slave to so Jesus Christ. He makes Christ. his body become a slave to righteousness. Exactly. Right. He, he becomes that, that doula gogeos. And it mean, now listen to what it literally means in the Greek. It means to be led away into slavery or to claim as one slave. To make a slave and to treat as a slave, that is, with severity, subject to stern and rigid discipline. And so what do I got to do? I've got to bring my physical body under a stern and rigid discipline because I know that it is through that channel, the weakness of that channel, that the, 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 the old nature or that sin nature will try to entice me into sin. It's is that where it talks about Timothy talks about bodily exercise profits little? Profits a little. Yeah, a little. And, but uh -huh. then it talks about the spiritual thing. Is that kind of the same sense there? Well, yeah, it is. And so what he was, you know, in that aspect, he was given just a portion of yeah. dealing with the flesh. He was saying, listen, it, it doesn't profit little in the sense that it's no good. Right. What he was bringing up the point was, listen, it does profit a little. There's, there's a benefit to that. If you're sick and you say, listen, uh, my sickness is bringing about discouragement. Mm -hmm. Or my, if I'm obese, my obesity is bringing about discouragement. And so what is bringing about discouragement? My obesity. What's the obesity cost from? Not bringing my flesh under, under subjection. subjection. And so, or I can't do ministry because I'm tired all the time. I'm tired all the time because I'm not eating right. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? Right. And so there's those channels that the adversary uses in order to weaken us in the flesh. And that's just another one of those tactics. It's exactly one of those right. things. So he's telling us, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Paul has spent all these six chapters through uh, the, these 11 verses. He's talking about mainly the spiritual aspect of that. Then he says, guys, but I want to show you how the enemy does come in. You know, people say, you know what? I'm really sorry I said that because I just hadn't been sleeping well. Right. Think about that. Yeah. What is it? Your physical body is breaking down. There's things that are happening. Or you say, well, I just can't do that because, you know, I've been under this physical pressure. Or yeah, I'm, just, I'm, you know, I'm stressed. I'm stressed I've got a, You know, I don't want to talk about it. I've got a headache. Right. And so that physical thing changes the components and the adversary uses that entity in order to discourage us physically, you know what uh, spiritually. We need? Well, you know what we need? We What's need that? What the disciples had. 
be beaten a couple of times and then still have to preach the gospel. That, <laughs> well, isn't that what he said? <laughs> I mean, you think about it. I mean, these guys were dealing with a lot more than what we're dealing with. I mean, they were being beaten and told not to preach in his name. They were being stoned. They were, being, yep. And yet they were able to say, no matter what I'm going through on my physical body, I'm keeping my mind you know, in my heart and even my body in our subjection because they could have said, you know what, forget this mess. I'm being beaten up. I can't tell anybody about Jesus. But what is that? That's the dulogogeo. And yeah. it's to be, uh, to, to be subject to severe <laughs> and stern and rigid they were under, discipline. Yeah, they it's were got to be disciplined. You know, we go and to, to do things. You know, I was with Pastor Meredith and the folks out there in Fairfield, Texas. And, you know, we're, we're spending many hours talking about the Word, praying mm-hmm. together, hitting the streets, and, uh, you know, it requires discipline. You may only get four hours sleep. Mm-hmm. And you may have to grab 30 minutes here while you're driving somewhere, or 10 minutes here, and it's to, to, to keep your, your body under subjection. But it, it, became, it becomes discipline. And so, and, you know, are you tired? Are you this and that? Yeah, but I'm bringing that physical body under subjection. Right. Even regardless of what I'm feeling, my feelings are not going to dictate... Uh, what I do for the and kingdom. That's that's where most everybody, and I would say myself and probably everyone listening, that's our biggest problem is dealing with that, that seed of emotion, those feelings, because that's where we seem to be influenced more out of than anything. I think it's right. one of our number one tactics. I just don't feel like it. Yeah, that's... Hey, you want to go preach? I don't feel, feel like, like it. it. Yeah. I'm not in the mood. See, it's all dictated mm-hmm. on these outward fleshly things that, that bring us under subjection. And that's what Paul the Apostle said. You've got to take that, make it strictly discipline your body and say, I don't care what you feel, do it. You That's know? exactly Everything right. Otherwise, what ends up happening is everything that we do is, is, is predicated mm-hmm. on these outward mortal things rather than the eternal thing. Right. And so how many times have we said that there's a greater reality than what we see? It's, it's what, what God said. has said. Absolutely. And so what we absolutely, see... Is, absolutely. There we go. And so all these things that are externalized that, that, that the enemy works on is, is built upon those components. Now here's a scripture for you. Galatians 5... Uh, 16 through 17. Galatians 5, 16 and 17. He said, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. For the flesh lusts after the, against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you cannot do the things that you would desire to do. The lust of the flesh tells us, listen, I want to be entertained. The lust of the flesh says, I want to be comforted. The lust of the flesh said, I need a break. The lust of the flesh says, you know what, it's, it's, it's my time. The lust of the flesh said, I've been working hard. The lust of the flesh always does those type of things. And so what it does, it wants to dictate and say, okay, spirit man, I know what you're telling me, I know what you're showing me, but listen, I want to be in control. Right. We, and brother, we can't be in control of those things. Otherwise, what's going to happen is as long as we cater to the flesh, the, the, the flesh will reign over our lives in a kingly position. Hence, I am crucified with Christ. No longer me that yep. liveth, but Christ that liveth in me. Exactly. Right. E- exactly. exactly. <laughs> Amen. It, absolutely. Okay, forgive exactly. us. We tease each other about these adjectives that we use on occasion. And so, folks, while we're not able to see and keep watch over that sinful nature, uh, uh, that, that really that's invisible to us, we can watch over the flesh uh, and, and dictate it. So think about this. Mm-hmm. That is, we can control what we see. We can control what we hear or listen to. We can control what our hands do. Mm-hmm. We can control where our feet go. And we can control what our minds dwell upon. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now those are the things that we have a handle on. And so those are the things that we're capable of seeing and keeping subject to or enslaved to. And these are the things that the sin nature works through in order to entrap us with the acts of sin. And so I can, I can control what I'm looking at. And so that entices. If you've got a, a, an individual that is bound by, by lust, what does he need to do? He needs to watch what he's looking at. Right. He needs to, you know, that, that television set, if he's uh, watching some show that's always, if he's, if he's tuning in every Sunday night or to, to some provocative program that he likes to watch or something, rather than spending that time with the Lord, what's going to happen? The, the lust, the flesh are going to rise up. Right. Or if he's got a problem with, with anger and he's always watching things associated with violence, what's that going to do? Right. He's opening up his eye gate to those type of things. Maybe he's listening to, to, to you got somebody that's, that's had a problem with, with, with strongholds in their life, adultery or whatever else, and they're listening to music that's always pumping those type of things into their ears. What he's doing is he's subjecting his flesh to something that's going to empower the enticement mm-hmm. of that sin nature right. to cause him to fall and he ceases to be overcomers. Right. And so those are the things that we can control. If you say, listen, man, I get around somebody and, uh, man, I just find myself uh, falling right back into those same things. Well, you know what? I have control over where my feet walk. 
Right. And so I know that bad company corrupts, corrupts good, good morals. You know that old saying that we used to say, um, you become who you hang out with. Yeah, If you, you do. hang out with the, the bad people on TV even, you know, or radio or whatever, you start becoming... You start becoming those things. You lay down with pigs, you're going to smell like pigs. Yeah. And so that's why we have to bring ourselves under subjection to those types of things. Listen to this, brother. James 1, chapters, uh, James chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. I love James. It, it, good stuff. He says, Let no man say when he is tempted that I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man, when he, when he is tempted, not if he is tempted, when? Every man. How many men? Every, every man. When he is tempted, uh, is is when he is drawn away. Hold on, excuse me. Uh, I'm tempted of God, but every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lusts and enticed. He's drawn away by what? His, his own, own lusts. Lust. Yeah. Then, when his lust has conceived, it brings forth sin, Amen. and sin, when it's finished, brings forth okay. death. And he says, "Do not err, my beloved brethren. Do not walk into that trap." And so. What's interesting is that phrase, uh, when he is drawn away, is, is actually just one word in the Greek. And it's uh, uh, ex elko, and it means to draw out, or to metaphorically, it's to lure forth in hunting and fishing as game is lured from its hiding place. So man is, is allured from the safety of self-restraint to sin. What's interesting is that when I was in uh, Fairfield this past week, the gentleman that I was staying with, uh, the family, uh, uh, Kurt and Kayla uh, Lupo, uh, he has a, a, what they call a hunting lease. And so there in that part of the country, man, everybody's a hunter and they do these things. And so I went out one day to look at his hunting lease and rode with him. And he was checking the, uh, these deer feeders. And so what they do is they'll go out and they'll set these deer feeders up and they'll fill them. This one happened to be filled with corn. I guess that's probably typical. And what it does, it, it draws the deer in by offering them food. Mm-hmm. And so what's interesting about that, the deer, once he gets used to that deer feeder, He's just going to keep going back to that one source. Mm-hmm. He don't have to work for it. He gets uh, he, he he gets top flight food. He's not having to graze around for for different other components or acorns or whatever they happen to eat that season. He just comes back to that same place, and that's exactly what the uh, what this word uh, means in the, in the Greek. It's a it's a hunter's word. They're lured away from their hiding place. And so let's put the, let's put some deer scent out there. Let's hide in the bushes. Pastor Meredith was telling me one time that he was hunting and he had a, a deer call and he began to make this deer call and, and this, uh, this this small buck came right up to him. It literally within probably twenty yards, I think he said. So it came upon him. He enticed it. He lured it out of its hiding place by something that that, that catered to its flesh. Mm-hmm. Whether with the, the the hunting, whether it's the food, or whether it's that that deer call that makes that that buck think that it's mating time. Lured it out, and it becomes enticed into that situation. Where boom, you can lower the boom on it, and you can you can take your prize, take your game. And that's exactly what the uh, the uh, enemy's trying to do. Yeah, my sister says it's a type of enticement. That it's a type of enticement that leads to a type of entrapment. Right. Let's lead them away by their own lust and draw them in. This language in James 14, though, it's really interesting uh, in, in because it's uh, the, the the language of hunting is transferred to the seduction of a harlot. And okay. so in James 1.14, it's led away by its own lust, and so it's like that. And so it's just like a harlot wanting to lead you away. Mm-hmm. And so the flesh is always... The, the harlot would come and say, just like when I, I gave testimony of when I was on the streets of Amsterdam, you see the harlots in the windows, the, right. the, the, the legalized prostitution. And they sit there and somebody comes by and they say, Hey, handsome, I've been waiting for you all day. Mm-hmm. You know, you're the one that I've been looking for. I'm here for you. And so they begin to tell them those things. You know what? You're so handsome. You're the greatest guy I've ever seen. Won't you come on in and, and lie with me in this sin? And so what happens? They're enticed by their own lust, pride, and, and their ego is, is, is enticed into that place. And they come in and they, and they lay with a harlot. It's the same thing with the adversary on, on, on anything. Whatever your flesh yep. it happens to... Uh, gravitate more whether it's anger or lust mm-hmm. or or anything. He puts those things out there to try to entice you to say, and especially things that you know. I think the adversary knows where where we're weak at. Sure, because he's punched us there enough. Yeah, times. he punches us enough that we say, okay, this is where this person's weak. So he's going to keep keep trying to hit that area to cause you to bend or lean into those things. And once you start leaning in, he can start enticing you in. And so, like you said, you have control over those. Factors. If you know that it's hard for you to, you know, we always say this: if an, if a person just got saved from being an alcoholic, he doesn't need to go into the bar to witness because right. that was that was his weak Struggle. point. Yeah. Or around friends that are drinking. Or around friends that are drinking, and, or, or that was an area that weakness 
keep yourself away from it. Uh, I believe as Paul the Apostle said, abstain from all appearances of evil. Yes. You know, those things that even appear to be evil. You need to, you know, maybe it's not necessarily evil, but maybe it appears to be evil. Maybe, you know, you look at it and it entices you in. You need to abstain from those things. Don't even get close to those things. So it's better to, to not even play with it. Just get away from those things. Because you're drawn by your own lust. And the adversary, is yeah. not, he's not going to use... Uh, against you the things that would appeal to me. And he's right. not going to use against me the things that would appeal to you. He's going to hit you at your weakness. Right. And so if I've got a cast iron jaw, but I've got a, a, a belly like jello, uh, he's not going to go for my jaw. He's going to go for my belly. Right. But if you've got a cast iron belly and a jaw like jello, he, he's going to do the exact same thing to you. He's going to go for right. your jaw because that's your weak spot. You know, I, there was a, a gentleman in, in our church years ago, and you would know him if I called him by name, but he had a very big problem with anger. It was anger in his relationships. You know, he was married at one time, and if, if things happened, I mean, he would tear the house to pieces. But this, this guy was also involved in the martial arts. Mm-hmm. And so he'd get there, and he would go, and he said, well, I just go to work out my frustrations. No, what you're going is you're putting yourself in an environment that in, that's encouraging you towards where you have a problem. And so he loved to go and spar. He loved to go and, and beat upon people and do those type of things. And it continued. It, it fed the fuel. Right. It, it didn't get his frustrations out. What it did is just, it just, he exercised his frustrations. Right. And, and we can't do that. Right. You know, we think, well, let's get it out of my system. No, what you're doing is you're feeding that. You're just satisfying it. They yeah. think they're getting out of their system, but what they're doing is satisfying that system. And there satisfying becomes a desire for those things more. It's kind of like, okay, I said, you know what? Man, I want my muscle to go away. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to really torture my muscle by lifting a bunch of weights. Yeah. What's going to end up happening? Muscle, my muscle's going to grow and it's yeah. going to become stronger than it ever was by me putting the, the pressure upon it and me exercising those type right. of things. It's the same with all these other type of emotions. It's not, well, I just got to go sow my wild oats and I just got to get it out of my system. No, what you're doing is you're ingraining that in the very fabric of who you are and you're allowing that to be interwoven into a net that's going to entrap you right. at a later portion of your life. You know, what about those excuses? And I think we probably all said it and probably heard people say it. You know, those things are... Those things are hard for me to. I can't. I just can't seem to do those things. I can't seem to get past those things. And 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 for anybody that's been in the gospel a number of years, know that you can make those things become subject if you work at it. It's people that just doesn't. They don't want to make those things subject. They don't want to say, okay, look, this thing has to become a subject. I don't know how many times I've heard people say, you know, on ministry or on the streets or even witnessing, look. I can't let go of, let's just say, something obvious, drugs. I can't let go. I can't let go of it. It's just, you know. And I know there's a, a factor into it. There's an addiction or anything. But there's something in them that satisfies it, and it goes deeper than just. It's the spiritual aspect of it. When you say there's, there's a, well, there's a trade-off. There's a trade-off. There's definitely a trade-off, and it's almost like making a deal. It's like, okay, I know that I'm going to suffer these consequences, but there's a trade-off. I'm willing to trade off my consequences. For the momentary pleasure that he gives us. The pleasure of sin for a season. For a season. And so let's let's allow that to do that because I know there's consequences, but I've always got this pleasure to fall back upon. But you can overcome these things. Absolutely you can overcome these these things. These things aren't something that that people haven't overcome in the past. And maybe you haven't. You've overcome those things in the past as well. So we need to remind ourselves that those things are... Had to be subject to the Christ in us. And so how do we overcome those things? Okay. Isn't that the next question? That's the next okay. question. Several things, folks, lead literally lend to this type of seduction. And that's what it is. The, the, the works of the flesh are manifest. matter of fact, let's look at that the scripture. The subject of flesh are evident. They're evident or, or made manifest. Or, they're, they're very clear to see. And let's turn to the book of Galatians this morning in relationship to that. And let's see. And look what, the, look what it's talking about. Galatians chapter uh, 5, verse 16. This I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We just touched on part of that. Mm-hmm. Then he says, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, uh, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not in the law. Now listen, the works of the flesh are manifest. There are these. Adultery, physical. Fornication, physical. physical. Uncleanness, physical. Lasciviousness, physical. Idolatry, a combination of it, witchcraft, the mental aspect, mm-hmm. hatred, that's, uh, that's once, that, once again the seed of emotion, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, reveling, and such the like. And, and so what do you, what's the common thread there? 
It's, it's things that are influenced outwardly. Things outwardly. That, are, that, are, that somebody does us wrong, something, an outside influence uh, affects us, and so right. what we're doing is we're enticed by those things. And such, I tell you, uh, just as I've told you in the past, that they which do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Those that allow those things to reign right. in their life, just as we've been talking about here out of Romans chapter 6, verse 12, if I allow those things to have rulership and dominion over my life, what happens? There's, there's only one throne. Right. You know, he don't have multiple thrones. It's we we don't serve a uh, a, 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 a multiple uh, headed God. We don't we don't serve a plurality of God. We serve one God, right. the Lord God of of hosts. And so, what happens? He's saying, listen, if you allow those things to come in and reign over your life and to have a kingly rule over you, you don't have an inheritance in my kingdom. Right. Because I'm the only king. one that's going to sit up on that throne. And so, if you think that you can walk in in a devotion and is a a slave to unrighteousness, what I'm telling you is that you'll never be a subject in my kingdom. You'll, you'll never walk in the doulos. You'll never walk in the, 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 the doulo logegos. You'll, you'll never see those things manifested in your life and you're none of mine. And so we've got to come to the point where we're no longer walking and exercising a devotion to the things of the flesh, but rather to the things uh, of the Spirit. And so here's, here's one of the things... That, that I believe is, is really central and why we're here on a daily basis is, is uh, that allows people to walk in the lust of the flesh and to be enticed by that and it's a lack of a knowledge of the Word of God. Mm. The primary reason that people cannot overcome the, the flesh or, or allow the sin to reign in their mortal bodies is a lack of of uh, knowledge of the Word of God. Now think about this. We've talked about this many times. Second Timothy chapter 4, verses 2-5. through five. He tells us, he says, preach the Word. Preach what? The Word. Preach the Word. Don't, don't preach vain philosophies. Don't preach ideology. Don't preach psychology. Don't preach any of these other things. He said, preach the Word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. doctrine. Folks, when we teach, we're t- all we're teaching is straight up doctrine. We're teaching the doctrines of the Lord Jesus Christ, the truth of the Word of God. We're not teaching the, the doctrines of an organization. We're not teaching the, the, the doctrines of a sect or society. We're not saying, well, we're teaching this because we're Protestant. We're not teaching this because we're Catholic. We're, te- we're not teaching this because such and such. We're not doing that. What we're saying is here's what the Word of God says. And so our desire is to preach the Word with long-suffering and doctrine, to bring the doctrines of Jesus Christ to the surface. Why? Because those are the things that give us the tool to be overcomers. But the time will come when men will not endure sound, sound doctrine. doctrine. Doctrine, when it's something sound, that means there's no breach. That means that it's solid all the way around. Right. If there's a soundness to something, that means it doesn't waver. That means that it, solid. it, it gets solid. Right. For the time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine, but after their what? own lust. Isn't that it? Yeah, their own lust. That's what it says. And you know, the lust of the flesh are evident. They're manifest. Mm-hmm. And so the thing that pushes us away from sound doctrine, brother, is our own lust. And because of that, they'll heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And I'm going to finish out these verses, and I'm going to go back to that verse. They'll turn their ears away from the truth, and they'll be sure turned into fables. But watching all things, endure afflictions, back to that endurance, do the work of evangelists, to make full proof of your ministry. So the key, we must know the Word of God and be subject to the truth of the Word of God in order to, 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 to do no gageo ourselves to the Spirit of God who dwells us, to, 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 to bring that, uh, that flesh under a stern and rigid discipline. That way we're walking. Now, go, let's go back for a second. The time will come when they will not insure town, but after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. We wonder sometimes, so why, why would people get so far off into false doctrine? Yeah, I was going to ask you not only false doctrine, but what about the people who, um, maybe, maybe they study the Word, but something comes in in their life where they're, like, like almost their senses become dull, that, that agency of the conviction and they find themselves so dull to it that they, they end up giving themselves over to things. They know what the Word of God says, but something comes in that causes the Word of God not to be so sharp in their life, and they begin to dive into those things. What, what happens on those? What, what let, me, let me give you an example. This past week when I was in Texas, we were, uh, me and uh, a couple brothers in the Lord were driving down the road. We were going to go have coffee together, and we saw a man pulling a wagon, and he was a, a traveler. And on that wagon, he had a big scripture that said, Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. And several others, you must be born again, or the kingdom, the kingdom. And all of his gear was packed in that. 
So we stopped, hey, what are you doing? And we invited him to come over to the local Dairy Queen and sit down and drink coffee with us and, and had a good conversation. And in talking to him, you know, conversation was good. He was just talking about Jesus and what God had done for him and that the reason that he was doing that, that four, four years and seven months ago that, that uh, he, his wife was running around on him and rather than get bitter, she left with another guy. They had a business. He just gave it all to him. He said, you know what? I feel like God's telling me to hit the road and just preach the gospel. That's, that's very noble. That's very great. And he said he started out in Buffalo, New York. But we, our conversation ended there in the Dairy Queen, so we're outside. And he's just talking about, you know, preaching the Word and solving people overcoming sin. Then all of a sudden he pulls a pack of cigarettes out of his pocket. Mm-hmm. And so, as I will often do, I said, so uh, how long have you been hooked on those cigarettes? How long have you been walking in bondage to that? And that's not what he wanted to hear. Right. And so immediately he said, well, show me someplace in the Bible that it mentions cigarettes aren't, uh, you, you shouldn't smoke cigarettes. And he said, you know, people talk about you shouldn't harm the body, but you know what? I've been smoking all these years. I don't have lung cancer. It, it was wow. justifying it. Yeah, yeah. What was he led away by? His own mm-hmm. lust. Then, he, then what happens is you're enticed. And so he didn't stop on cigarettes. He also said, you know what? I don't, you know, I, I'll drink a little bit too. I don't have no problem with that. And so what he had to do is, is, as long as it wasn't the thing enticing him, he was hardcore on it. Right. But as soon as it moved to the area of strongholds in his life, immediately he began to justify it, and, and he turned his ears away from the truth and, and turned to, to teachers because he had itching ears. Mm-hmm. And so he was wanting only to listen to somebody that, that said, okay, what you're doing is okay. That, you know what, God doesn't, doesn't do that. And so eventually, in that conversation... He basically broke it down to the point of, listen, this body is just flesh and it's going to perish, so it really doesn't matter what you do in the flesh anyway. Mm. Because I'm born again by the Spirit. This flesh is going to just act itself out. Which is totally... Right. Can somebody say totally? Totally. It is totally contrary to what Paul the Apostle was trying to say right here in, 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 in Romans uh, chapter 6, verse 12, what he was saying in 1 Corinthians 9, 27. Folks, listen. If we allow this flesh to run roughshod, certainly mm. this flesh one day is going to be consumed. It's, we're going to, this, this mortality is going to put on immortality. But we have got to bring it under subjection unless we ourselves would become so, castaways. So I guess the answer to the question is the reason why people, even though they know the Word, even though the Word is the answer, basically what they do is they give in. Yeah, They give in to the flesh. They want to keep the flesh alive as long as possible. And so that's really, no matter how many people, have, I mean, no, matter, no matter how much they've studied the Word, they can choose to ignore certain parts of the Word and say, no, I'm giving in to this. And so basically, I guess that's kind of the answer. They just give in. They're drawn away by, by the their own lust, lust yeah. by the desires of the craving of the flesh, and rather than, than fight the flesh. Brother, the, the flesh battle is hard. Right. Some of you guys, and, and some of you here, if they're maybe watching with us, you've been on, uh, participating in some of our extended fasts. You know, as yeah. pastors, we, we would lead wow. 40-day fast, 21-day fast, 7-day fast. Brother, that's that's crucifying the flesh. Mm-hmm. You know, after a few days, your your old flesh is rising up, saying, "Ah, ah let's 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 go get us a, a hamburger. Let's go get us a, let's let's go cater to ourselves." And so, what do you? I think the do? Lord spoke to me enough already. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've heard all I need to hear. I've got my answer. And so, what do you have to do? You have to you have to pull out. The spiritual whooping stick right here, the Word of God, and you have got to wear that flesh out. You've, you've got to do it like you would a rebellious child. You've got to speak, bring a, a, a stern and rigid discipline, discipline to the works of the flesh. Folks, listen, it's tough to get up every morning and pray. It's tough to get up every morning and study the Word of God. It's tough to hit the streets until your feet are aching and telling people about Jesus. It's tough to, 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 for God to move you halfway across the country. Both of these ladies that are in our studio audience today have just recently and have, have moved. It's, it's tough to give away the comforts of your, your, mm-hmm. your, your situation. That's tough stuff. Yeah, it's tough. It'll challenge challenge you physically, it'll challenge you emotionally, it'll challenge all these type of things, but what you've got to do is say, you know what, I'm not obeying the, the, the flesh, I'm not obeying the lust thereof, the desires of it, I'm not obeying what I see with my eyes, what I may think I'm hearing with my ears, what, what I may be feeling even in my physical body, the stress, the, the worry, those type of things, and I'm bringing, boom, those things under subjection, because I know if I do not 
that I myself, even as he said in 1 Corinthians 9.27, I'll become a castaway. Mm-hmm. I'll find myself marooned on my isle, uh, my island of, 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 of pity and regret and of self-absorption and all mm-hmm. these types of things. So what I've got to do is I've got to whip those things into shape and say, you know what? I don't care how I feel. I don't care what I see. I know what God has said. I know the direction He has put upon my life. Mm-hmm. I know the requirement that He has upon me. I'm going to continue to seek His face. I'm going to continue to do His will. I'm going to continue to not be dictated and manipulated and have those things predicated upon the things that are outward. But I'm going to be dedicated and faithful a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. That way I can be consummated Amen. and consecrated unto Him. Boy, I tell you what, I came up with a well, lot of aliens, didn't I? Come up a lot today. Sometimes when you get in the flow, flow it's in the flow of those type of things. Think, let me ask you this. Yes. And I know we're, I'm kind of going crazy because I only get to be here once in a while in the morning. But Go crazy, brother. Uh, do you think sometimes people get... Their, their flesh allows them just to get satisfied with the words to a certain point. In other words, they say, you know what, I've done, I've done a little bit of reading this week, so I think I'm good. So they're satisfied. Let, me, let, the, let me back you up. Ask, here's, how, here's how you ask the question. You said somehow do people, does, does their flesh allow them to get satisfied? Yeah. Let's, let's, let's turn that around. Do you think sometimes people allow their flesh to be satisfied? Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Right. And that's exactly what it comes down to. It's it's the spirit. The spirit indeed is willing, right? But, but the, the flesh, flesh is weak. weak, right? And so what we end up doing is we end up allowing our willing spirit to come under subjection to our unwilling flesh, rather than call it causing our unwilling flesh to come under subjection yeah. to our willing spirit. See, it's like we don't go far enough. It's like we just do just enough to get by. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. You know that that part where you say, "Okay, I'm reading just enough word to get by. I'm doing enough uh, prayer just to get by. I'm doing enough." Maybe witnessing just to get by. I'm just doing right. enough. Instead of, but God requires so much more of us. He requires for us to go beyond that. If and we want to overcome. If we want to overcome, to really put, like you said, really put our body into subjection, really whoop it to become a to become a slave. I don't know if if if, if uh, I was working for a you know I work for a company. I don't know if they would just allow, allow me. I don't know if a really company would allow me just to do enough to get by. Right. They want me to give. 110% when I'm working. Exactly. And so how much more should we give serving the God of the universe exactly. who, ser- who you know, who's created us and who has given us the opportunity to live and, and preach His Word? How much more should we do that? But I, I even find myself sometimes saying, yeah, you know, I, I, I think I've read an, enough this morning instead of pushing myself that extra minute, that extra five minutes, that extra 30 minutes to get that Word really da- down in me. It's like, okay, I, I think I've done enough. But really... Yes. God's requiring for us to go further. Another As step you said further. that, I'm thinking, brother, we need to move from the realm of, of just enough to the realm of more than enough. Yes. And so we need to say to ourselves, you know what? Instead of getting just enough, man, I'm going to press through until I have more than enough. Amen. Because I may have enough for me, but I may not have enough for somebody else. Oh, that's and so good, I've yeah. got to function in the realm of more than enough mm-hmm. because I know that the only thing that's going to come out of my life into other people's lives is the overflow. Right, because I, I, you know, I can't pour out something that's not filled up, and so right. what I become is I become that reservoir of that outpouring, and so I need to get into the realm and the mentality of more than enough. Right, and so what does that do? You know, we're we're here uh, Monday through Friday, uh, studying the Word of God. Now we we open this up and we bring it into this venue of a worldwide audience. Why? Because not only does this audience need this, we need this. Right. You, you see what I'm saying? What this does is this pushes us from enough. You know, I could get in my little corner with my little my little Bible and walk into this realm. This is a and walk into this realm of just enough. But I need to walk in a realm of more than enough mm-hmm. because I know that there's somebody's going to need more than what I only have for myself. And so we come to this venue, to this 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 place. To really, it's strategically to have a victory for us. Yeah, so it's like having a having a uh, maybe a drink of water in the desert, you mm-hmm. know, a, can- a canteen, and you say, "Well, I just have enough water for me to survive, but I don't have enough for you." But we need to have more than enough so that not only we can take a drink of the living water, but we can also give. So we need to have the answer. Says to give an answer for all those who ask for the right. hope of glory. So we need to have. We need to be filled up so yeah. much. Yeah, and, and you know what I find in, in traveling to, to different places and, and being in different churches and speaking to different Christians, 
uh, most have been conditioned strictly for just enough water to carry them through their desert. Right. And you see that. It manifests yeah. itself. Because as a result, you, you begin to encourage them to do something else for someone else. And they feel like what just within their little sphere of influence is just enough. Right. And so it's like, you know, hey, we're doing this. We, we're taking care of our children. I'm raising my family. I'm being good. I'm teaching them. And so and you get this thing. It's like, you know what? You, you, you've got to, your ministry starts at home. Your ministry starts right here. Right. Well, the key is starts. But if it's not spilling out, you've never accomplished that, that, that ministry anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes this type of thing. And so rather than raising up your, your initial ministry, your family, to go out and do more ministry, it's like, let's just kind of hide in our little spiritual cubbyhole mm-hmm. and just have just enough for us. Right. But he's created this as a, as a greater works type of mentality to do a greater thing for the kingdom of God. And so I want to I look at verse 13 uh, this morning as well. Here's what he says. He says, Neither yield yourselves as instruments. We touched this just for a second yesterday. Instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. That word is the hopla. H-O-P-L-A. That word instruments. Hopla. That's a good one. That's a H-O-P-L-A. And that word literally is the, uh, the, the weapons of a Greek soldier. And so okay. when you sin, you know you need to yield your your members as instruments of righteous as the weapons like a Greek soldier, uh, and, and not as instruments of unrighteousness. And so here we go. He's, he's saying, I want you to your, your members. And when he's talking about that, he, he's talking about those those faculties that we're talking about, the things that you see, the things that you do, where you allow your feet to go, where you allow your mind to be stayed upon, and what you allow your your your, your thoughts to be con- concerned with. He said, you've got to take those things and use them as the weapons of a, a, a Greek soldier. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is that which the enemy desires to combat, which is the, the, our, our, the, the, the works of our hands and our, where our feet go and what we see. He said, you need to turn the tables on that. Mm-hmm. And so when, when the enemy wants to use our words or that, that, that faculty, which is our tongue, to bring death or to bring uh, the yeah. lust thereof, what do we need to turn that around for? Right. And we need to let blessings come out right. of our mouth. We need, to, we need to let encouragement come right. out. And so rather than allowing frustration to, to dictate what we do or to allow fear or whatever else, what we need to begin to do is turn that as a weapon against the adversary. And so when you see a, you're in a, in a wrathful situation, what does the Word of God say? A kind word turns away wrath. Turns away wrath. Oh, what am I doing? I'm, I'm yielding it yeah. as an instrument of righteousness. Right. And so we have that ability. And so if, if, uh, if, I, if somebody's hungry and I go and I prepare them food and I take it to them with my hands, what have I done? I've taken those and I've utilized them for instruments of righteousness. Right. And so the whole key is taking those things, whatever those faculties are, and bringing them under subjection by not what James says. We love James so much. Yeah. Not just being a hearer, but a doer. A doer. Right. And so by doing the Word... When I do it, what it does, it brings the physical aspect into my relationship with God. It's almost, it's almost like what you were talking about before. You know, the devil's not going to hit me, or the adversary's not going to hit me in the jaw, and then because it's iron, and or and then the stomach's jello. But what if you get strong in that area? What if that area that that he's always attacked before in the past, you turn the tables on that? Yeah. He, he can't attack you in that exactly. area anymore. So what you're doing is you're 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 causing those areas to be tough. He can't fight those areas anymore. And what does that become? We overcome by the blood of the lamb, by the word of our testimony. What does that become? That becomes our testimony. Right. Our testimony is I was blind, but now I, I see. see right. I was hooked on drugs, and now I'm free. Right. That place that he used to hit me in because I've kept my body under subjection, lest I become a castaway. That thing that used to be a stronghold, uh-huh. now is my strength. Right, come on. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And so that person who's got victory over alcohol or sexual perversion or homosexuality or anger or, or unforgiveness, whatever, now that they're walking in victory and that thing comes up, boom, they, they lay into it. They brought it under subjection. They have sternly and rigidly and severely severely discipline that thing, now it becomes a testimony for them. And so when they begin to share with somebody, they say, listen, I used to be bound by those things. That person says, there ain't no way. You don't have no semblance of that. Why was that? Because I beat that thing under subjection. And so rather than being an adversary to me, it has become my advocate. And the weapons of my warfare are no longer carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now think about this. That that instrument of righteousness, that hopla, is like a Greek soldier. Now look what Paul Paul did. He he also tied this together. We've looked at what he said in Romans. We've looked at what he said in in the Corinthian letter, in Galatians. We looked at what he said to his letter to Timothy. Now let's look what he said to the church at Ephesus in relationship to the exact same thing. 
Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. Oh, yes. Put on the weapons of a Greek soldier mm. that you might be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Right. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. That's not what's coming at us, but against principalities and powers. In other words, what do we talk? The arche and the exousia. The, uh, the origin of things when we fail, when our perspective changed, mm. and against those excuses. Well, you know what? I just couldn't help myself. My appetite for that thing was too strong. And so that's the issues. Then he gets in, and the rulers of the darkness of this world, those enticements that the adversary mm. throws, and, and, uh, and, but, and against principalities, against powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Then he said, therefore, take unto you the whole armor right. of God. Right. Folks, listen. He's this is it. where we bring our, our flesh our physical nature under subjection, that you might be able to stand in, uh, withstand the evil day and having done all to stand. Therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. The time will come when men will not, not endure, endure sound, sound doctrine. doctrine. Right. And so where does it start? We talked about the victory. It starts with getting into the Word of God. Right. And so as I get into the Word of God, what do I do? That reproductive part, the loins, is what he's talking about. And so the first thing that he says is, listen, you're either going to reproduce sin or you're going to reproduce righteousness. Right. You see what I'm saying? You're either going to be bonded to one of those things and you're going to bring forth that fruit. So he says, listen, first things first. Let's cut off the reproduction of sin. That way you're not, you're not creating an army of, of, of unforgiveness, an army of, of, of bitterness. You're not creating an army of lust. Let's cut it off at the source and now let's start causing the seed of God's Word to be implanted in, into your spiritual womb that is producing that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to gird about my loins, that reproductive part of my life, with truth. And then, what is it going to do? It's going to put on the breastplate of righteousness. What is so important about that is if we can look right here in Romans chapter 1. Don't ever forget. This is because we go on. Don't forget where we were. Romans chapter 1 verse 16. I may go just a few minutes over this morning because I want to finish this thought. He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Okay? I'm not ashamed of the gospel, right. but I've got to know the gospel truth. Right. Now what happens? For therein, therein is the righteousness of God revealed, revealed. from faith to faith. Faith is the, the, the moral, moral conviction of the truthfulness, truthfulness of, of God. God. Back to that truth. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by, by the, the Word, word of God. God. So, the Word of God, when we get into the Word of God, what ends up happening? The breastplate of righteousness appears. Right. You, are you seeing it now? Yeah. And so I get into the Word of God, righteousness is there. And it becomes my breastplate because I've allowed the truth of God's Word to come into my life. And so I've got this thing that's going to protect me. The adversary strikes at my heart. Right. Now think about that. When he strikes at that place, when he begins to try to affect the way I feel, to try mm-hmm. to affect the way that I respond, try to affect the seat of my emotions. But now what do I have? I have a breastplate. Right. And so now my, upon the throne of my heart, I'm not allowing sin to reign in my life any longer. Right. Just as he says, but I'm, I'm becoming that, that good soldier. And, and so I have the, the breastplate of righteousness, and my feet then are going to be shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so, when I get into the truth of God's Word, then the, the breastplate of righteousness arises upon me as a result of that truth because therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. The just shall live by faith. And then what happens? My feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so that member that takes me different places, what has it done? It's prepared with that gospel. Of, right. of the peace of God that passes so understanding. you can walk in the righteousness that God has given And so where I walk, I'm walking right. where He wants me. The, how I talk and the things that I do and the position that I place myself oh, in, man. it's going to be that place of righteousness. And above all, taking the shield of okay. faith that you can be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And so not only do I have a righteousness that's produced, but that, that, that loins is going to produce a shield of faith as well. Right. And so there's something that I will that I can deflect all the, the things of the adversary. Right. And then I, I don't see things like the world sees things, right. but I see things in the way that God says it's got to be filtered through faith then. It becomes filtered by faith. It has to be because, then, because it filters on the truthfulness of God. So when it comes to hit you, you say, because of the Word of God, well, that doesn't line up with the Word. And what's the position? The word. What becomes the position of a shield by a Greek soldier? Where's the shield at? It's on their... Well, it's in it, front of them. It's, it's in front of yeah, them. It's the, it's the forefront of everything. Right. So everything that comes at you has got, got to, to come, come through, through faith. faith. When I have my loins girded about with truth, and I, and, I, and I take on, I'm yielding my members as instruments, that, that hopla to unrighteousness. So if a situation comes at me, or a circumstance, or an attitude, or whatever it is, what's, what's there? 
The shield of faith. Boom, it hits the shield of faith. And just like you said, it's always going to be filtered through that agency. And so I could say, well, I know what it looks like, right? but I know what God's Word says. Oh, faith. Because it's the truth. I know what, it, I, know what I see. I know what circumstances are. But you know what? I've got the shield of faith. And it's going to deflect all that, that negativity. It's going to deflect the lust of the flesh. It's going to deflect what I see. It's going to deflect what I feel. It's going to deflect all those things. And the, take the, in verse 17, take the helmet of salvation. And so what now is that mind. mind right. And we're talking about the things of the flesh that the adversary uses. And what was it? We got control over our mind. Right. Don't be conformed to the image of this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you can prove the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And so when I take on the helmet of salvation, why? Because I first girded my loins right. about with truth. And so what happens? My mind thinks different. And so because I'm not going to... repentance. It is repentance. Because and so I'm not going to focus on those television shows that are going to bring wickedness. I'm not going to look at those magazines that are going to produce witnesses, uh, wickedness. I'm not going to maintain those relationships that are going to produce wickedness. Why? Because I've got the helmet of salvation. salvation. And so I'm not going to be uh, meditating upon those things. I'm going to meditate upon His Word right. day and light, night and back to the sword of the Spirit. And so if I, loined, uh, uh, I, I girt my loins about with truth, what happens? That the sword of the Spirit, which is the, the Word, Word of, God. of God. So not only does it become my source of righteousness, but it becomes my tool against the adversary. Right. It becomes the, the weapon of that Greek soldier, that yeah. instrument of righteousness. Mm-hmm. And so when the adversary comes, I do exactly what Jesus did when He was tempted in the wilderness. It is written. Boom, right. boom. It is written. I know what you're saying, but here's what the Word said. It is written. And I began to strike a death blow to all those other issues that come. Praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching therein with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. So folks, consider this, and we're getting ready to close. We have instruments that are weapons. These can either be used in, uh, to, to be outfitted or to be utilized for righteousness, or they can be outfitted and utilized to fulfill the lust of the flesh. We outfit them by placing them in situations that, 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 that work to excite the flesh through the television, through places, certain relationships, but we've got to come to a place where we're outfitting them to be instruments of righteousness. In verse 14 of Romans 16, For sin will not have dominion over him, for you are not under the law, but under grace. And so we're going we're gonna to deal with that tomorrow. And you won't be with me, but no. we're going to deal with it tomorrow and, and get into that. Pastor Alex, it's such a pleasure to have you yeah, back. Thank brother. you guys for having me this morning. It was to great have to be you here. here. To bounce things off of you. You add such a, a great uh, uh, component to the table. And so we're believing that one day God will bring you back. Come we on. Got, and I'm, I'm holding out the Romans teaching, brother, because I'm believing that the schedule is going to change so Amen. you can get back. Amen. Folks, got one bit of advice for you today as we close on what we talked about. Get into God's Word and God's Word will get into you. God bless. Have a great day.